0: Learn more about the albums you love with Dissect, a music analysis podcast hosted by me, Cole Kushner, a lifelong musician and composer. Each season of Dissect dives deep into a single album, forensically dissecting the music, lyrics, and meaning of one song per episode. Our newest season is covering Tyler the Creator's Igor, a beautifully honest album in which Tyler explores love, communication, masculinity, and truth. Listen to Dissect today only on Spotify, because great art deserves more than a swipe.
1: Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply.
0: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. It's a Prestige TV podcast. My name is Bill Simmons here with Joanna Robinson. We recapped White Lotus episode one last week, talked some big picture stuff. We're going to dive into episode two of a increasingly sex crazed White Lotus.
1: I hope your mom is having the best time. Uh, my, mom's,
0: my mom is <laughs> over the moon. Um, it's not like episode one wasn't a little sex craze. Like we, it ended with our guy Christopher Maltasanti with a with Lady of the Night. It had Jennifer Coolidge having sex with Greg and then getting freaked out by all the faces around her. Um, it had the swimsuit change. So it, the, sex is in the air for this season. Episode two. We have Aubrey Plaza's character catching her husband jerking off.
1: Mm-hmm. We
0: have Multisante adding hookers to the room. Bold move. You can only have one extra key to the room. Well, can you put can you put the other one on my dad's room so we have that? And we have a sex convo at dinner with our favorite mm. couples about morning sex, night sex. Uh, Aubrey Plaza's character Harper clearly sensitive about the perception that she might not have a good sex life. So doing the, oh yeah, we, we have, a, she's having crazy sex and just <laughs> so much going on. Where do you want to yeah. start? What jumped out on this episode for you?
1: Um, I think I want to start with the three generations because we didn't talk about them that much yeah. in episode one. Good. Um, And I think we get some more information about I'll be the youngest that helps me better understand, I think, what Mike White wants to do with these three. All right, let's hear it. Like when he's at dinner, you know, on the surface, I'm like, oh, he seems so nice. We like Portia. Sure, let's have a nice little sweet burgeoning romance as part of this story. These these two nice characters, let's put them together. And then he says the thing at dinner where he calls himself a nice guy. And he's like, girls don't want a nice guy. And then she asks what kind of women he's attracted to. And he said pretty broken birds and i was like uh uh no no uh so i i think what we're doing is is these three generations of like masculine shittiness and how it manifests and with his generation it's like the nice guy trope nobody wants a nice guy i'm just a nice guy sort of thing and like he does seem nice i just wish he hadn't said Pretty broken birds is <laughs> the yeah. kind of women he's attracted to. I was like, oh no, not you two. Okay. Yeah, that he he trashes
0: the Godfather. He has the uh, he asked <laughs> for what did he say? The Godfather the, the the patriarchy. Yeah, it's some patriarchy comment about the Godfather, like negative. that's when he
1: lost you, right? Yeah, he's tra- he starts trashing the Godfather. You're like, when you trash I'm the done. Godfather,
0: I'm out. It's just I'm blind yeah. out. There's no coming yeah. back. That's then fair. he he went over the top asking for the consent for the kiss. At the end, which is like, oh, you're doing this. You you did it that way because you're expected to do it that way. But I'm I'm not sold. You're a nice guy, Albie. You can you can play the part. I don't trust you.
1: I usually don't usually don't use the words over the top and consent together. But I will say, like in the first episode, she Portia says on the phone. I just want to be like thrown around by an Italian guy like she's looking right. for like the passionate Italian fantasy you know and and he Alby's like timidity and
0: but it seemed like intentional timidity to me that's that's why yeah. I didn't trust it yeah I felt like yeah, he was doing me. it because it was what he was supposed to do in this situation, and he was trying to present a certain side of himself. But this guy has the same DNA as the other two guys.
1: Right. Well, he says a thing about, like, I just don't want to be my dad, right? And again, I yeah. think Mike White is really interested in those cycles that you don't escape. Even if the audience is rooting for you to escape them, you don't escape them.
0: To me, we're going to... And we've only seen the first two, but it's going to be revealed. He's way more like the dad and the grandfather than he's letting on. I don't trust any of it.
1: No, I wanted to ask you a quick Michael Imperioli question. Like, yeah. why do you think he hasn't had a bigger post-Sopranos career? I'm excited for this role for him. Like, you know, H- HBO prestige. And like, he hasn't had roles like this that you would expect because as you know, Bill, I haven't seen The Sopranos and I know. I know that Michael Imperioli is like great on that show and deserves more. So what, you know. You
0: not seeing The Sopranos is one of the great distressing things in my life right now. Um,
1: <laughs> he, so it could
0: go one of two ways. One is he just caught the perfect character at the perfect time. Christopher was an unbelievable character, totally indelible. Hard to even imagine him not as Christopher. That's how good the character was. Mm. And I think a lot of the people from that show had trouble breaking out of it. The same way like The Wire was like that too, where you saw Michael K. Williams and it was just hard not to think of Omar. You know, you saw right. Jamie Hector. It's like, you just see Marlo. And Christopher was so indelible. I remember Zoe and I were on like a soccer trip, maybe like 2016, 17, something like that. We rented that Halle Berry movie that where her kid gets stolen it's called like kidnapped something like that her kid gets on a playground and she chases and she's looking for the guy and at some point there in the movie michael imperio shows up for like 15 minutes he's like he's a passerby and it's just like this bit part and i remember thinking like what the fuck happened here how is he in the bit part of a halle berry action movie that's like basically a straight to video this is this should have been better so i was psyched that he was in this
1: I guess I guess I'm sense. I mean, I, we want to get back into the episode, but I guess I, I will just say the fact that I know that his character is Christopher Moltisanti without having seen The Sopranos right. speaks to your point of like I think I just hear people call him that rather than Michael Imperioli. They call him by his character name, yeah. meaning they haven't been able to separate him as a performer. Anyway, I think he's great in this, and I'm I'm really glad he's here. Very
0: distinctive features. He's there's something about him that I think really worked with Christopher and works with this guy where. Seemingly put together, distinct look, very Italian. But there's like some real damage that you can kind of see when you're looking at him. And maybe that, you know, like I, I do feel like he could have easily been the lead of a CSI, something like that. Like he's kind of in that Caruso lane to me where Caruso had these very distinct qualities that worked on certain shows or movies, but he wasn't, you know, he's great in Proof of Life. I love Caruso. He was NYPD Blue season one is one of the best start to finish seasons I think any TV actor has had. Yeah. Um, He's had that whole CSI run where he basically became a parody of himself. But for the most part, he always felt like Caruso and it always overpowered whoever he was. And maybe that's the same thing with Imperioli, where he just, I just feel like he's Michael Imperioli. I can't see him as a character.
1: He has the great, I've seen some shit face. Yes. But also maybe what will help separate him from Moltisanti is the fact that like, now he's got this like, Beautiful iron gray, sort of like quaff of hair, yeah. and you're sort of like, Great hair in you this. know, time has passed. Yeah, let's let's see him as someone else now, and and what's going on with him? Yeah, you know? he's
0: seen some shit. And then F. Murray Abraham as the grandfather, like legendary actor. This guy guy was guy was Omar and Scarface. You know, he's yeah. going all the way through. And what was his name? Amadeus.
1: Yeah, Salieri. That's what he won the Oscar for. Yeah, The um
0: just has been around and had some real weight. He was kind of in that. Ben Kingsley area where he couldn't be like the star of a movie, but if it was, if he was one of the three or four stars, it felt like a big movie. Great dramatic actor and just had real weight in whatever he did. So it was like a natural for somebody like that to be on the show.
1: But I think there was a there was a period of time I've I've talked to F Murray Abraham about this because Salieri his character and Amadeus that he won an Oscar for was such a massive cultural phenomenon at the time. Yeah, he had trouble for years getting people to see him as anything other than Salieri. And it wasn't until like a little later with like Homeland and Grand Budapest Hotel and a few other things that like he, you know, and, and Mythic Quest, uh, you know, yeah. a show that I really loved um, that I, I think people started to see him as something else, but he talked about exactly the Michael Perioli problem we were talking about, which is like an iconic character that you can't get people to see you as something else. As. But like, uh, he's really well cast here. Him talk, you know, I'm talking about Greek mythological rape and saying the word rape several times, uh, in the Greek theater scene in this episode. And he's like, you know, if, if, uh, Demeter can forgive Hades for that. Yeah. (laughs) In front of someone they don't know. And if Demeter can forgive Hades for, for raping your daughter, surely your wife, you know, can forgive you for whatever it is you did. Um, wild, wild scene.
0: And Albie's pretending to be horrified, but he's not a hundred percent horrified, which is why we don't trust Albie.
1: I don't trust him.
0: He's like, no, no, you can't say that, but he's not, I don't feel like he's, anyway, we don't trust Albie.
1: To go back to like meeting Albie, when she says she's, when Portia says she's from San Francisco and he's like, oh, I love San Francisco. I went to school near there. And immediately I was like, Stanford. And he just doesn't want to say, but he kind of wants her to ask. And so then he says like, oh, I went to Stanford. Yeah, he was
0: so douchey about it. Albie sucks. I can't stand him. (laughs) He was like, where'd you go? Chico State. He's like, cool, cool. He's like, you douche. You just wanted like the power. This is why I don't trust a single thing he does. Um, We didn't mention Dominic, the uh, Imperial character. Clearly did some terrible stuff to his wife to the point that he calls the wife in episode one and she's screaming at him in a way like, you know, there is no scene. coming back with us. It is over. The daughter was supposed to come on the trip; she didn't come either. So he's basically lost all the women in his life, right? And in this movie, quickly gravitates to the hookers or locals. Well, he had like
1: pre-arranged, pre-arranged locals are in place. This assignation with with Lucia, but like um, second episode,
0: it goes to another level, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least.
1: Puts them on the room. That's, yeah, you know.
0: Puts him on the room. There's a threesome that. He's trying to pretend the threesome isn't in play. And it's like, come on, dude, you're going to break. And then it happens.
1: Right. But I think he genuinely thought for a second that he, like, he meant to not break. Oh, come right? on. We know he's going to break. Yeah. That's the
0: thing. He's a broken guy. He's going to break. Yeah. He just break. can't help himself. So in that sense, a little like Tony Soprano, actually, like Tony could just never turn it down. You've never seen The Soprano, so you don't know, but, um, <laughs> but Tony could, Tony could never turn down a, a lady. Thing. Yeah. Could never turn it down. Um, All right. So we have them. They were probably, I would say, the second most interesting people on the show this episode. We'll save the couples to the end. Tanya and Greg are unraveling. local girls? Unraveling. And uh, I mean, Tanya, I'm still undecided whether she should have been in season two Mm. and whether I've had it with Jennifer Coolidge. So let's have that conversation quickly. It's been a lot of Jennifer Coolidge because she's in The Watcher in a really big way too. And I think, Mm. I like her, but I think she's just Jennifer Coolidge and everything. I don't, I don't, she's playing herself. I don't feel like she's really necessarily acting. Do you?
1: I mean, her comedic timing, I think is really good. So I don't want to take, I don't want to take that from her, but I think similar to what we were saying about Aubrey Plaza in episode one, that there's like an Aubrey Plaza type that she often plays. And I haven't seen Jennifer Coolidge ever do anything that breaks that type but sometimes it's more interesting than it is in other places. And I think in White Lotus season one was sort of the ideal, like this is the ideal Aubrey Plaza character. That was the ideal Jennifer Coolidge character. Agree. But again, I kind of agree that like maybe we don't need her in season two or certainly in this episode, there are things that I love, but then there's moments like the bug on the ves, the bug in her mouth and the Vespa that feels like a little broader than I would expect the White Lotus comedy to go. Do you know what I mean? She's trying to like. Yeah,
0: like her on the Vespa with Greg. Yeah. It' pretty easy joke. At the same time, it was kind of funny when she's trying to take all these different pictures and.
1: That was that I liked that, and when yeah, she was, was like, I'm, Mo- "I'm Monica Vitti," and I I do want to talk about Valentina, the the manager,
0: who seems like she hates everybody.
1: But I but so did what I love is like uh, the Armand character, the manager character in season one. Also hated everyone, yeah. but he just like slathered it over with this sort of unctuous flattery, all that sort of stuff where all this shit was boiling beneath the surface with him. I love that Valentina is just like genuinely rude to every single one of her guests. Don't you like and- this is a European thing? I feel like you could get away with this and- yeah, if you're countries. Italian, and yeah. she's like, "I'm surprised you're here. You're very old." Yeah, is what she says to Marie Abraham. Right. He's like, "What do you mean you're surprised? Well, you're very old." Yeah, that's and it's just a, a brutal, long trip.
0: Brutal comment.
1: <laughs> yeah, or like the 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 runaround she gives Michael Imperioli's character when he's trying to like add the hookers, and she's just like, "Oh." An extra chart. Do you need a rollaway cot? Like well, you know, yeah. like all of that shit she's giving him is so wonderful. So when yeah, when Jennifer Coolidge dressed all in pink is like, who do I look like? And she says Peppa Pig, and she's like, no, I'm Monica Vitti, like this Ugh. Italian bombshell, you know. And it's a uh, like Valentina, real piece of work, real piece of work.
0: Yeah, that's that's another one where when you watch the show the second time, the Valentina and Dominic trying to get people on the rooms all the subtle shit in there and the way she's playing it and he's getting madder and madder but trying not to get mad cuz ultimately it's going to land in hey i'm paying 5000 a night put these fucking people in my room but he doesn't want to do it and she's kind of pushing him to try to do it and it's just like a little cat and mouse game there's a lot of cat and mouse in this show which i like just things building under yes. underlying stuff and people kind of testing each other without overtly testing each other um Tanya loses it at dinner, and we we know that Greg things going badly. We yeah. know he's having secret calls, which is always the oh he's got to be cheating on her. We know, as you said earlier, that like she's a handful. I wouldn't want to be married to Tanya, and Greg now is doing that. I got to go back.
1: I wouldn't want to be married to her, but I want I I you want, want to someone to wa- I want someone to want to be married to her. It's not me, but like yeah, I would like someone to find all of her shit. Endearing.
0: I mean, she's such a narcissist, I would say. I would say it's probably hard for her to connect with yeah. somebody else in a real way. So we know we know Greg's headed for the door. And then at the end of the episode, how did you interpret that? Him on the phone being like, I'll be home soon. I love you too. And it's like, does my wife interpreted it as this guy has a second family? Mm. Did he have a second family the whole time? Is the cancer thing was that okay. all ruse because you know, he, and now he's figuring wardrobe. I can get in on Tanya's money, but I'll keep this other family I have. And It is
1: interesting that he's like, you made me sign a prenup. Like, that's, you know. Right. Why did he say that? When a show where dead bodies show up, you may, you know, like in episode one, we didn't talk about it. But in episode one, Daphne is talking about how much she loves watching Dateline and how all these men murder their wives right. on vacation. You know what I mean? Like, that's in the water here. Um Literally. But I, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think that... uh Again, I don't know. I'm so overly suspicious of a clever writer like Mike White trying to fool me that I'm like, does he have a secret family? I I was trying to figure out a way in which this could possibly still be about his health. But like when he says, I love you, I'm like, well, no, I don't.
0: He's talking, to, he's talking to a woman. It's just, is he married to her? Is it a mistress? What is it?
1: Is a woman on the side? I don't know. And he has clear contempt for
0: Tanya. Like there's that one scene she wakes up and he's just sitting upright on the bed, like just looking sadly. He looked like Kevin Durant on the nets.
1: (laughs) But what I, what I like about this episode is she's like, she says, she's like, you don't even like me. Yeah. I've got my eye on you. You don't even like me. And then he, he comes back with very valid criticism of her. You drop your friends, you fire people on a dime. How many senses have you been through? You discard people. And we saw her do exactly that to that woman who works in the spa in season one, after sort of pumping her up with all these promises of like, I'm going to go into business with you. Right. So Tanya is not an angel by any stretch of the imagination, but he's got valid critiques of her, but she's like, I can tell you don't like me. You're full of shit. And yeah. Like, why is he pretending, you know?
0: Why? Because he likes the lifestyle and-
1: For the money, yeah. I guess. He gets to go to know?
0: Sicily, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. Every Everybody in her life is transactional.
1: Yeah, but like, I think she would like them not to be. <laughs> yeah, she would know? like them
0: not to be, but she's not going to be able to stay out of her own way. Yeah. So I don't know how that plays out with Greg, but Greg became a lot more interesting in episode two. He seemed a little, way more than just guy who's married to the rich lady so he can go on vacations. It was like, all right, more stuff's going on here.
1: Yeah.
0: Then we have our girl, Aubrey Plaza, Walks in on. So, the, so Ethan goes on a run. She goes yeah. to get a croissant with her book, and the happy couple are like, Hey, Harper over here. And she pauses for a split second with the fuck, I just wanted to eat my croissant and read my book. Now I have to talk to these idiots again. Can I just
1: tell you that I've had that moment? Where, yeah, we, like, everybody what, has. What's going on in your head is you're like, can I get away yeah. with saying, I just want to sit here with my book? And then you're like, nope. Yeah, even that's for, even
0: too rude even for her.
1: Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah.
0: So he's got to do that. The Ethan, who's on his morning jog as one of the uh, one of the hostitutes is leaving, um, goes back and decides his endorphins are going at it he's just gonna whack one in the hotel room not really planning for the whole aubrey plaza is gonna show back up and she catches him and it's one of the weirdest white lotus scenes i think ever where he's like what are you doing why do you have a boner ah, i was just jerking off you know the endorphins for my run and then she says want me to help you out and he's like no i'm just gonna shower it's like what's going on with these two this seems like deep-rooted weirdness um so it's to me it's all leading toward her having sex with the happy guy.
1: Probably or or him using her lack of sexual activity as again some sort of power play over her. But I think that like uh I thought it was really interesting how that whole conversation boils down to like he likes to have sex in the morning and she likes to have sex cuz she asks about sex they that at, at night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's sort of like uh but I also really loved The conversation they have when he's in the shower, where he's talking to to the
0: other couple. She's like, Did you know? And she's just like almost changing the subject.
1: Right. But he calls her out for being critical of them and he talks about how it's a way for her to feel more comfortable with herself. I thought that was a really interesting, well written scene. Yeah. um, Because like, I maybe recognize myself in the Aubrey Plaza character in that moment, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. Which is like—it sounds like you. It sounds like you're really seeing in the mirror with Aubrey. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I think I'm a little nicer, but maybe some things are there.
0: But I think that. Um, well, he says that maid thing. He says. Yeah. You don't talk about our maid like this because you you feel you like you're in the driver's seat with the maid. Her. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but my favorite moment is when she sits down. Uh, and she's like, I bet they're talking shit about me right now. And it cuts to them and they're just having like a fashion try on montage. <laughs> right. And they're just like blissfully enjoying themselves. <laughs> right. And, not, and it reminded me, reminded me my favorite Mad Men moment when Don Draper says, I don't think about you at all. Right. Yeah. To Ginsburg. Um, and that's something that I have to think about. all the time. Like, I don't think about you at all. Like, you know, you get, you get inside your head that you think people like hate you or have some opinion of you when really they're just trying it on clothes in an Italian boutique and enjoying their holidays and that's what's going on so yeah
0: great stuff and then aubrey goes for a little swim happy guy. happy guy follows her out there and this is after they there's been like a little weirdness as i mean every interaction they have as a foursome ends up being weird in some way Mm -hmm. he swims underwater pretends it's a shark attack a little flirty and again, she's got a little light in her eye. Like, she's kind of mad at him, but she's also, like, definitely intrigued. So they're, they are now laying breadcrumbs. And
1: I like the way that that was shot. Um, you know, it's like the the Jaws cam, the underwater Jaws yeah. cam is there. But also, it just, like, what it does is it just shows us, like, her body and his body underwater. And it's just sort of like, this is what's going on underneath. Like, we're yeah. talking up here, but here's what's going on underneath. I hope your mom loved that scene. And so. then,
0: Well, then he does the... Kind of the eight-year-old move, where he's like, "You don't like me," yeah, you know, and she's like, "No, I like you," and th- he's just, you know, he's he's not a rocket scientist, and she's obviously very smart, and she kind of knows what's going on, but she kind of likes it.
1: So, season one had a lot of the racial dynamics of what was going going on in the in that season. This one, again, we we've we've already dubbed this a sex season, but like I really yeah. thought that comment she made about the fact that like she and her husband, who are not white but white passing, she's like, you know, we're their token, not white friends, essentially. Right. Um, and when they were talking about Puerto Rico and Daphne's like, what is it? It's not a state, is it a territory? You know, like all that sort of stuff. So it's like yeah, that Aubrey dynamic. Says,
0: it's a territory. Like she's territory. definitely pissed off about it. <laughs>
1: yeah she's like you can come stay with my family in puerto rico if you want to and it's just sort of like uh it's an interesting element in in this dynamic because like when the happy couple as we're calling them when they talk about we don't we don't engage with the news why would you do that oh the world's not ending why would you do that well they're like two white rich happy people right you know what I mean and like Aubrey Plaza and her husband who are like only newly wealthy and like not white and are like going through the world and having a very different experience. And um I think that's an interesting like sort of theme that he's sifting into this season.
0: You know, it's interesting when when I heard they're doing season two, I thought for sure that they would have either a black couple or a black family because the first season for the most part was pretty white, right? And I thought he would experiment down that road and he didn't. I think he decided to make this the sex craze season. But if I had to do this show differently, I probably would have dumped Tanya, and I would have—I would have had a, a a couple or a family that was a little different. I don't—I didn't—I just don't feel like I needed to ride the Tanya train again. Maybe she'd come <laughs> back for season three. I would have just gone all new characters if I was the GM of the show.
1: Well, I mean. Y- on the one hand, yeah, but on the other hand, if he's like kind of trying to franchise, like this is a really interesting thing that they're doing here because they're calling it a quote unquote anthology show yeah, rather than like a series so that when they submit to the Emmys, they can still put in limited series the way that Ryan right. Murphy always put American Horror Story or whatever. But when you brand an anthology, you do want to have some connective tissue and since like Jennifer Coolidge was the breakout and won the Emmy so that, that I understand sense. like yeah. why she's here but I agree with you like if they if they do a season three which I um, if this season is at all popular and Mike White wants to go on another adventure like a vacation somewhere I'm sure he will do a season three I would hope that he spins off a different character than than Jennifer Coolidge's character who I I, I love Jennifer Coolidge but it's like in limited doses Right. Well, I wonder if part of
0: it is, I mean, one of the fascinating TV things about this show, like just TV industry things, it's just him. There's no writer's room. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if he if he was worried, like if he had had a black family or a black couple, but there's no writer's room, it's just him writing it, that that would have become a thing.
1: And I think that- some of the criticism of season one like season one was broadly white but there were a couple of black characters that and he was like trying to engage in it yeah and i think there was some criticism of season one where they were like this felt like a superficial treatment of this particular dynamic um and so i think maybe in season two he's sticking but the
0: to- no writer's room thing he, the no writer's room thing in a weird way is a little liberating for him because then it's just like, hey, I'm the one writing this show. This is coming out of my brain. That's the way it goes. Versus if you had like 10 people in the room and then it's still like a pretty white show told from a white perspective. Maybe that gets a little dicey. Yeah, know.
1: but, you know, he's injecting. I think there's some really personal stuff in here. Like when Aubrey Plaza's character is talking about. Is this what happens when you become super rich? Do Are all of your fr- friends just these like vapid assholes? Is this like what we can look forward <laughs> right. to? And so my question is, like, I don't know enough about Mike White biographically, but I don't think that he came from a ton of money before he had huge success in yeah. Hollywood. So I think he thinks of himself as like an Aubrey Plaza or... Maybe Haley Lou Richardson care, like an outside observer of of wealth and no question. privilege. You I know? think he
0: cares about the class dynamics and poking fun in a really unusually fun way uh, yeah. of the of the wealthy. Yeah. And their relationship to kind of the common people seems to be the goals.
1: Apple card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card.
0: See website for details. Who won the episode for you?
1: Um, I'm going to give it to, uh, because we didn't talk about it, so I want to talk about it. Uh, The actress is Beatrice Grano, who plays Mia, who's like the non, uh, you know, Mm. sex worker, because she has that like beautiful musical moment where she actually like crushes it on the piano and shows that like the guy she threw the, the drink in his face last week, Giuseppe, the like completely mediocre Piano bar singer guy, like what it really means to have talent, and I really liked that moment. So um, yeah, yeah, I liked it. You know,
0: I think the show's trying to make us like her, which means she's definitely dead in the last episode. No,
1: I'm, no. Cry- I'm, I'm, I'm rooting I'm, for I'm almost, her. I'm,
0: i already built her gravestone. She's done.
1: I'm, I'm rooting for her. the girls, the local girls. I like them. No, they have. They,
0: that's that's what this show does. They're they're gonna. Uh, one of them's gonna die.
1: You're right. Well. I, I don't know if definitely one of them is going to die, but you're right that the person who paid the most in season one was not the privileged guests at, you know, it was Armand, right? So like the lesson is not going to be the privileged people get any kind of comeuppance at the end of this season, probably, you know?
0: All right. So predictions going forward. We have not, we have intentionally only watched the first two. Yeah. Predictions going forward. Greg, if Greg leaves... That puts Portia together with uh with Tanya, probably in more scenes. So maybe, maybe they go down that road. Mm-hmm. I I think Dominic is unraveling. And I think that probably gets worse.
1: Yeah. The montage then, at the end felt a little like it reminds us of Armand, who like went down a drug spiral in yeah, season he's, one. He's yeah. gonna
0: unravel. That's happening. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if his wife didn't show up at some point this season.
1: Yeah, I forgot to look in the credits but her voice sounded familiar to me. So like I don't know. Yeah,
0: I feel like that's a real actress.
1: Yeah. I I'm a mate. you're like a great voice sleuth. I know. Had,
0: uh. <laughs> what was the one in yellow jackets? You 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 figured out who the yellow jackets lady was No, before, I think it was the the old, old man. man. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I forgot to I forgot to check the credits to see if that yeah. But she sounded familiar to yeah, me. I think that me. wife shows up. I think she's someone we'll see. Yeah. The big thing I think to
0: watch in the third episode is uh, Happy Guy and Aubrey Plaza. I think that's gotta. They have now set everything up for episode three with them. With and maybe they go, <laughs> maybe they go to Sicily and they get split up the two couples. Oh, mm. well, I've always wanted to go over there. Oh, you guys go that way, and something's going to happen.
1: I like that you call him Happy Guy, and I've started to do it too. But definitely in my notes, he's bogus claims douchebag. So um, you know, Bo- Happy Guy
0: <laughs> slash bogus claims douchebag. <laughs>
1: He's all of those things. I really
0: like I like that actor and I really like Daphne. I think yes. I think is excellent because that's kind of a nothing part. You yeah. Know? She's just supposed to be dumb and happy, but she's good at it.
1: I everything she does when she starts talking about how she like goes on spending sprees when she's wine drunk. Uh yeah. there's also a uh there's a running thing about her missing her kids that I think is kind of interesting, right? She keeps wanting to like FaceTime with her kids. Um, mm. so I don't know if that's something to like keep an eye on, but I'm, I'm keeping, as we said, I'm keeping an eye on Albie. I don't trust him. I'm waiting for his like a capital N, nice capital G guy, uh, stuff to yeah. unfurl for us. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. She was doing some internet sleuthing on him, which I thought was interesting because maybe there's going to be some more internet sleuthing and maybe something unearthed mm. as she continues to internet sleuth. I have as the winner of the episode, and I hate to do this. Um, I think Jennifer Coolidge actually won the episode.
1: <laughs> you just spent the whole time saying you didn't want her here. I know. I, I,
0: <laughs> I wish she wasn't there, but I thought I thought she had the most to do, and I thought um, I thought her story was weirdly the most compelling out of everybody. But I mean, I, I love the couples the most. I'm in on that storyline. Yeah, all the way through. I don't love the actor who plays Ethan. I think one thing we didn't forgot to mention was. This show is so extraordinarily well cast. I think that was a huge part of why season one worked. And I think this season, same thing. But the Ethan character, I'm not sure I'm there with him. And I don't really know the background of other stuff he's been in. But I, I'd i give him like a B minus.
1: I haven't seen him before. And I was, I had a similar thing where I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I looked him up and he's British. And I almost wonder if it's like one of those things where like he, he's focusing so hard on doing the American accent that it's getting in the way of him, you know, being able to fully give us a... It feels like
0: somebody dropped out. Somebody dropped out 11th Mm -hmm. Hour. By the way, of course he was British. We don't make American actors anymore. (laughs) I don't think we have an American actor under 30 that we could have (laughs) cast. Albie's probably from freaking Ireland.
1: (laughs) Speaking of British actors, though, Tom Hollander, an actor I love is in the cast and is supposed to be a guest on the show. And I don't know when he shows up, but I'm waiting for him. So like, they're going to introduce more guests, Interesting, I guess, to come. But he's in the opening, like his name's in the opening credits. So he's like a main character. We just haven't seen him yet. So, yeah. So
0: maybe that's episode three?
1: I mean, it's got to be soon because it's a short season. So, you know. Because it's not
0: like the love boat where you go on a cruise and everybody, you meet everybody at the beginning of the cruise and then you go off for a week. Like people check into hotels every day. So it makes sense that- some new character would come in. Maybe it's the third roommate of the two guys. Could be possible. I mean,
1: this uh, Tom Hollander's much From older. He's like an older British actor, but like. Oh, maybe not. Uh, like Molly Shannon's character didn't show up until a couple episodes into season one of White Lotus, right? Good Jake Lacey's mom. So, like, yeah. Uh, Christopher Multisante's Moldy- brother. <laughs> well, again, I think he's supposed to be Brit, but well, we'll see. You know, maybe they're having him play American, but like. You can't say supposed to be British.
0: These British dudes play American people <laughs> you're every, right, you're every right. show and movie now.
1: You're right, you're right. But like, yeah, I, I'm on the lookout for Tom Hollander and I'm on the lookout for Multisanti's wife, whoever she might be, Um, you know, so
0: we'll see. And that could be, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities for multi because that's probably a good part. So that, I mean, you could.
1: She came through on I'm the other side of the phone Linney, call. Like on the other side of that phone call, I was like, this is a good performance. You know, like it was good, I thought.
0: It won't be Laura Linney, but it could be somebody in that kind of stratosphere. Cause they Like a
1: Hope there's Davis. There's no like
0: giant stars in season two, you know? Yeah. Who did you suggest? Hope Davis. Hope Davis. I don't
1: That's know. That's interesting. If, if you say yeah. Laura Linney, but not Laura Linney, my first thought is Hope Davis. That's where my <laughs> brain goes. But maybe she's supposed to be Italian. I don't know, because it's a very Italian family. So, yeah, we'll see.
0: I'm so glad this show's back.
1: Me too.
0: I missed it. I feel like we're getting at least five seasons of it. We just keep moving different locations until the White Lotus property goes bankrupt from all the dead bodies. But it (laughs) seems like we can get five seasons out of this show. That's fun. Joanna, great to see you. This was produced by Isaiah Blakely. Thank you, Isaiah. And we'll be back next week for episode three. We'll see if my prediction is right about Happy Guy and Harper. May something, something's gonna happen. We will see. See you next week.